Be advised, this episode will almost definitely contain discussion of sexual themes. It will definitely contain foul language, and we guarantee that we will be discussing views present within the book that in no way reflect our personal views, likely including, but not limited to, indigenous culture, being sexually active, being not white, eating disorders, and probably things I don't even want to consider being in a young adult book published only one year before The Hunger Games. User discretion is advised. Hey, Emmy. Uh, hi. Hi, Sarah. I Can I ask you a question? Uh, no. Oh. You weren't prepared, you weren't prepared for <laughs> me to say no. <laughs> no, I was not prepared for you to say no. Can you say yes instead? Yes. Okay. What year is it? It's 2023. Oh my god, it's 2023! And we're not reading Twilight. Oh my god, I just realized so we I... started. We started with it's 2020, that means it's been uh-huh. three years. Well, it's not been three years well, since we started. Well, yeah, but it's it been is... like two and a half years, I would say. The thir- Oh my god. Because it was summer of 2020. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah well it's 2023 we're not reading twilight um i'm gonna say it wholeheartedly i'd rather be fucking reading twilight than this book um it's absolutely insane dumb and um horrifying in so many ways unhinged unhinged, <laughs> unhinged. is the, no is hinges the word. left i uh it Reminds me of one morning I was taking Steffi to class and she said that she could replace me on the podcast if I died. Uh, it wasn't, she didn't say those words verbatim. It was just like, that was the lead up. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't think you could replace me. I'm like, I think you could replace Sarah on the podcast. Like, personality-wise, like, I think you two both have the same, like, intellectual analytical skills. (laughs) I was like, I'm not sure you can replace me because I'm insane. And I say dumb shit. And she was like, no, I can't. I just got to be unhinged. And I'm like, I'm unhinged? That's how you define my personality as unhinged? So Uh if I'm unhinged and I'm calling this book unhinged, what does that say about this book? Um, it says that <laughs> <laughs> you okay there? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's <laughs> there's a <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is New Year's Day for anyone who's confused. And I was out late last night for some reason. Um, and I I did a presentation last night. We did a presentation party. And we had, we've done these before, but like yesterday was the most presentations that we've had in one night, which was great, but it also took forever. And... I mean, most of what everybody was saying last night was pretty unhinged. Um, (laughs) 
but nowhere near as unhinged as the shit that goes on in this book. And I was like, I mean, I don't even think I could give a presentation on the shit that goes on in this book because people would be like, Sarah, that doesn't sound like it could get published in a young adult novel. And I would be like, well, you would be fucking incorrect. (laughs) You, You don't know what you're talking about. You know, what's funny is the other day I was on Amazon and I was just looking at books because I've been trying to read more. And, um... One of the books that came up was this book that's called Hex You. And it's by the it's by the casts. It's by Kristen and PC Cast. Oh no. And it either just came out this year or it is cut or like last year I should say in 2022 or it's coming out early this year. And I was like they're still going? Like they're, they're still able to get published? How I'm like how have they not been canceled? <clears throat> Like I don't know. I I, was I hope that like the books get better going forward, but like I don't have super high hopes. I was literally thinking earlier, you know, we read books and we go, a person wrote this and yeah. said, yeah, this is okay, and then somebody published it. But this book is impressive because two people wrote it and said, <laughs> yeah, this is okay. And then somebody published it. Yeah. It's, um... Like... I hated Twilight for a lot of reasons. Well, I don't hate Twilight. I think it's pretty obvious by now that I genuinely love Twilight. Um, But, like, I was um, bothered by Twilight for a lot of reasons. But I never once was like, this is so bad, I don't know how it got published. You know? Like this book Stephanie is Meyer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Stephanie Meyer. I mean, the only the only one in the series that I'm like, I literally don't know how this got past an editor is uh, Breaking Dawn because it's so fucking insane and stupid. But like, at least the rest of the books, like you can read it and you're like, no, this this reads like an author, like someone who understands how writing works. Wrote this, you know, it's got a plot. It's it's. It dra- the plot drags, but like it's well like it's well written and the the character dialogue was awkward, but it was never as like completely bananas as the dialogue in this fucking book Excuse is. me, excuse me. We do not call it bananas anymore. We call it mini corn. Uh, sorry. <laughs> There's so much mini corn hate in this book. I don't understand. What the fuck? I am starting a mini corn farm out of spite. For this book. Yeah. Yeah. This deserves it. I'm going to call it Grandma Grandma Redbird's Mini Corn Farm. Okay. I support you in that. Endeavor. (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, would you like to talk about this book? I just just want it to be known that my... I, I wanted a Kindle. For a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the note-taking on the previous episode got so out of hand that I specifically requested a Kindle scribe for Christmas so that I could read it on the Kindle and take all my notes because the Kindle scribe's the one with the little pencil with it that you can mm-hmm. write in the book. So I now have that for... And I I did this entire 
episode on that because I literally could not handle the amount of notes I was taking on how absolutely insane the book was when using the physical book. Yeah. I don't know how this got published. I don't know how it's still being sold. I don't know either, um, but I feel like it's best if we just if we just finish it and try to put it out of our brain as much as possible until we do the second book. Until we read book two. Just so you <laughs> yeah, guys I... know, you're you're listening to this, but you should have been listening to a different episode if not for the fact that our lives were fucked for a couple yeah. weeks. Because we were going to do a New Year's bonus episode in which we reviewed Nicolas Cage movies. Yes, it was going to be fun. I literally was like, let's watch Ghost Rider or Con Air. Like, I I don't want to just watch National Treasure because we would just be sitting here going, this movie is great. This is a good movie. Wow, it's so funny and interesting. (laughs) I wanted us to watch a true trash pile. We can't watch Wicker Man because I would just be screaming not the bees the entire time. Yeah, yeah. I actually, like... Our lives were just like chaos the past couple of weeks, especially because in my field, it's the last week of the year is literally the fucking worst because everybody wants to get in, in like before the end of the year. And a lot of people put things off for their health and stuff like that, which I understand because I put stuff off too. But like people become very entitled and rude when you tell them that like it's the last week of the year. We're booked out until next week. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know how to help you. Uh, Because we had people, we have people who plan ahead. Think about what they're uh, doing. Yeah. Not to mention the amount of people who, like, want to come to us because it's cheaper than going to the emergency room. But, like, they need to go to an emergency room. I got a lady call because her, like, 75-year-old husband fell and has a concussion and he needs to go to the emergency room to do a head. Yeah. You don't go to a doctor for that. Oh, yeah, he needs to go to an emergency room, and they went to the emergency room, and they sat there for two hours and weren't able to get his scan done, and so she called me, and she was like, well, he needs to get in for his scan, and I was like, he needs to go to an emergency room, and she was like, well, he wouldn't sit there for any longer, and I was like, I don't know what to tell you, like, we can't get him in, first of all, because you don't have a referral from a doctor, and second of all, we are like you need to take he is old and he fell and hit his head he needs to go to the emergency room like i don't know what to tell you i'm sorry that he's being rude and won't sit in the emergency room but that's that's not what we're for yeah it's not how that works (laughs) you don't you don't get to just declare i do not work within the system yeah And then the polar vortex that just destroyed half the Mm -hmm. country happened. Oh, yeah. Our apartment got down to 51 degrees. You lost Mm -hmm. power and water and... Yeah, we we lost power. We lost... (laughs) Like, honestly, I... We... Losing water is the worst part of that. Like, I... Like, I can... I can wear... A hoodie. I can I can bundle up under a blanket if I if I need to to like stave off the cold. But like you need water, <laughs> you need water to to shower, to drink, to cook, 
and to go to the bathroom to go to the bathroom like literally we were we when we literally were trying so hard not to have to poop the whole time because it's like this is so gross you could just piss into the toilet and not be able to flush it and as long as you can like wipe and whatever it's fine but you don't want to leave your shit just sitting in there this is the designated shit toilet uh we just pile the shit in there until we're (laughs) able to flush yeah like well yeah because then it's like what if you clog it it's gonna be bad so we really we were pissed we were fine like just being like i guess we have to pee into the toilet and not be able to flush it whatever i can handle that as long as it is not too much but like you can't shit into a toilet that you can't flush. It's not a good idea. It's just going to make everything worse. Um, and we have pets. Like, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, we can go a couple days without showering, without drinking water. Like, we have, like, sodas and stuff we can drink. I know that's not healthy, but, like, it. when it comes down to need, we can drink it. But the... The dog and the cat can't just drink Coke. Have you tried? They need water. So we were very close to having to go to the store to buy water bottles to give to the pets because they were about to run out. But the water came back on before we ran out and I was able to give them more water. So it's fine. Everybody survived. We lost water only in our kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. And it came back, but then only the cold water came back. No. But it was, we had, so we had, we got the water flowing in every other faucet in uh-huh. the apartment. We just couldn't do dishes. Yeah, you, you can't <laughs> do dishes with cold water. Your hands feel gross. Well, it's, I ended up, once we had cold water back, I would fill up the electric kettle and boil the water (laughs) and then pour it into one side of the sink. And then I just kept doing that until I had enough warm water to do the dishes with. I have, I'm so grossed out. So Brandon is like repulsed by doing the dishes. I'm very grossed out by doing the dishes, but like he's a lot worse. I still, like, I wear gloves. Like, I wear, like, rubber, like, cleaning gloves that go almost down to my elbow because I, like, the thought of having to touch, like, the grossness that's on those dishes, like, it it makes me want to throw up. And the thought of having to do that, like, even with gloves on, the thought of having to wash dishes with cold water makes me want to (laughs) vomit. Like, I literally (laughs) could not even imagine. Yeah, it was a fun time. Mainly the, you know, internal temperatures being enough to make you hypothermic, but... Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Chapter 19? Chapter 19! (laughs) So Zoe hurries back into the dorm and grabs some food, getting back to her room to tell Stevie about the events of the evening. She explains seeing Elizabeth, which freaks Stevie out, and they speculate over whether or not she's really dead. They slut-shame Kayla a little bit as a treat, then finish off by slut-shaming Aphrodite. Uh, Stevie explains that Aphrodite is going to be the next high priestess, and that she has visions of future tragedies, 
though Stevie speculates that Aphrodite won't tell anyone about the visions if no one else knows about them. Like, if she has one in, like, in her room and no one's around to see it, Stevie's like, she probably wouldn't tell anyone. She would probably just let people die. And I feel like... I don't remember. I feel like that's not true. Like, I, I, I feel like that is, like, too far. Yeah, I'm just like... Scale. That is... <laughs> ap- that is literally going out of your way to ensure people die, which is... absolutely insane i yeah where are you getting that from (laughs) yeah i don't feel like that is true um i feel like that is just i i think that's a misinterpretation on stevie's part um but i i don't remember for sure it's been a while since i've read the books i know that aphrodite doesn't stay a villain the whole time uh spoiler i guess (laughs) it hints at it at the end of the book anyways Yeah, for sure. Zoe gets the idea to take over the Dark Daughters to dethrone Aphrodite and then feels guilty about it because she's like, oh, I I shouldn't feel so power hungry or whatever. Zoe tells Stevie about the feelings she got during the rituals, like of all of the elements. And they speculate she has an affinity for all five elements because she's the specialist girl. I had it as... The most Mary ever to sue. <laughs> yes. Um, Stevie reveals the Dark Daughters tried to use her as a refrigerator shortly after she got to the House of Night, and Zoe decides that she's going to dethrone Aphrodite after all. Don't get whiplash from that change in yeah. opinion. Yeah. Stevie Ray's wearing fucking cowboy pajama pants. Cowboy hat, pajama pants. Cowboy hat, pajama Pajama pants. pants. (laughs) I'm just like, we're... There's... There's going a little too hard on this theme. Yeah. And that's what you're doing, cast crew. Yeah. Also, I'm really tired of the weirdness around bloodlust in this book. Yeah. Because when Zoe comes in... She's like, would Stevie Ray be scared of me if she knew I liked drinking the blood? I'm like, bitch, you you people are turning into vampires. Yeah. You are in a school for people turning into vampires. Like, I get you're getting the bloodlust early. Like, most people don't start feeling it until they're, like, in their last year of school. But <laughs> nonetheless, you are becoming vampires. So I have a feeling like, li- never mind. She brings this up later. And it makes me so mad. It's so stupid. Do you remember that back. part? Do you remember that part in New Moon where Edward and Bella were like uh, laying in bed or whatever? And Bella was like, oh my God. All of this time. I just realized Edward loves me. And you're like, yeah, bitch. Are you fucking <laughs> stupid? That's how, th- that's how this feels. Where Stevie's, where not Stevie, where Zoe is like, like, oh my God. Oh my God. They're going to fear me if I drink blood. It feels the same way as Bella, the whole, the whole of, of New Moon being like, Edward never loved me. He never, 
he never cared, like, blah, blah, blah. That's how this feels. This is a whole book of somebody just being like, they're gonna, the other vampires are gonna think I'm <laughs> weird because I like blood. <laughs> I'm not like other vampire children. Uh. Also, she goes and tells Stevie Ray about uh, Eric kissing her hand and wrist. And she's like, yes, it was good. I grinned at her. I'm like, it was, it was a kiss on your hand. Yeah. You're acting like he gave you a fucking G-spot orgasm and he kissed you on the hand and wrist. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That was so visceral. <laughs> and then fucking... Oh. Fucking Stevie Ray follows that up with I'll bet Aphrodite shits puppies when you left the rec, rec hall with them. I'm like, what the fuck is shitting puppies? <laughs> is this a thing? Is this like Holy Crow? Do I not know what this is? Are these yeah. people Mormons? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, is there a large Mormon population in Oklahoma? I don't know, but now I feel like I remember researching to figure out if these people were Mormon. Uh, but now I can't remember if I had a dream that I researched them being Mormon or if that was real. So the LDS Church is the eighth largest denomination in Oklahoma. We'll find out later in the notes, because if I did actually research them being Mormon, it'll be in the notes later. <laughs> Excellent. And if I if it's not, then that means I had a dream about it that my brain thinks was real. Mm-hmm. Um from this chapter on, we're gonna get some really weird dialogue as well. Just extremely awkwardly written lines. Uh so for example, when Zoe's telling Stevie Ray about what happened. She says, he said they came to bust me out. Can you imagine? And Stevie Ray responds, do they have no sense at all? And I'm like, that's not how people talk. Yeah. Do they I mean, have maybe... no sense at all? <laughs> do they have no sense at all? What? Stevie, why are you talking like that? <laughs> you're not from, you're not from England. I don't know what's gotten into you. I read that one and I was like, Sorry. what the fuck? And I highlighted it. And then it just like kept getting lines like that throughout the rest of the yeah. book. Well, maybe we'll get some other lines that I can say in a horrible accent. <clears throat> oh, I'm sure we will. We'll find them for you, dear. Okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, we also get within a single page here. The concept, once again, that the adult vampires are impossible to lie to. But Stevie mm -hmm. Ray saying that Aphrodite has fooled Neferit into thinking that she's not yeah. the kind of person. And I'm like, that's not how... You're con self-contradictory. You've built up this thing that you cannot trick Neferit, period. But that Aphrodite has tricked Neferit. These yeah. two ideas cannot coexist. I don't know if it's maybe that, like, you can't tell a lie to a vampire and Aphrodite has found ways of 
just concealing things such that she will not, such that she doesn't actually lie to Neferit. She just like basically doesn't show her true self. But that's, but, but that's not true. No. And we've keep coming back to this throughout these last <laughs> chapters because at one point Neferit just intuits that Zoe likes brown sodas. Yeah. No idea. So wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't she be able to figure out that Aphrodite is evil? And I, I don't want to like jump the gun here, but yeah, she she does. She does. <laughs> it, which just raises a whole another slew of questions that we yeah. get to in a few chapters. But yeah, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on in this book. It's it's bad. Um, Go on. The school also doesn't have any way of dealing with problematic individuals, apparently, because they were like, if we tell Neferit about Aphrodite, she'll just still be here along with all her her people. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, so like, if you have people just doing heinous shit, you just leave them at this, like, you don't have any methodology for dealing with them. What if they kill somebody? Like... (laughs) Like, so, I like to imagine that if they committed, like, full-on, like, war crimes, they would have a way of dealing with it. But, like, the problem with the conceit of this book being that these students have to be at this school in order to survive the change is that, like, in essence, you don't have any solution against bullying because your solution... I mean, like, other than just, like, locking them in, like, a child prison, I guess. Well, I'm like, do you... I feel like this is the kind of extreme case where you're like, all right, isolation situation. Mm -hmm. You and the other problematic people get put in a special place. Or, like, they have an alternate school mm. for people that call... I don't know, but, like... Yeah, go to vampire military school so like, you can learn some fucking respect. If the alternative, if your two options are let them stay and traumatize people or kill them by kicking them out, (laughs) you need something. Yeah. And I do, I hate Zoe. I hate Zoe a lot. Yeah. But I do respect her dedication to the fuck you mentality that she has. Yeah. Uh, Because... She just goes full on, fuck Aphrodite here. I'm gonna do whatever I have to do, and I'm like, you know what? I can, I can dig that at least, even if I fucking yes. hate you. <laughs> I I just started reading your your summary of this next chapter, and I remembered that it has the most heinous thing I've ever read in it. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to put a big fat trigger warning for sexual violence on this, on this next part. Yeah. It's bad. I literally was reading it and I was like, I, I almost texted you. I don't want to read this book anymore. I screamed a when little. I read it. I screamed. Yeah. I literally, I was like, I, when I read it, I was like, if this, cause I was, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so disgusting that when I read it, and the way that it's written makes it even worse. Um, so, like, when I read it, I was like, if this is going to be something that 
the authors feel that they can just put into their book. I don't know if I want to continue reading the series because I'm concerned it's going to happen again. Um, I mean, we will continue. But at the time, I was like, actually, I think I want to put this down and never pick it back up. <laughs> Someday we'll finish a series besides Twilight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, chapter 20. What happens in chapter 20? <laughs> Zoe plans to talk to Neferit, but she's unsure how much she can tell her without sounding dumb. I don't know how that works when you're literally a supernatural being and you think you have supernatural experiences. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. She's literally uh, like, oh, I've, I've had these crazy super, like, these crazy, like, semi-magical experiences. How do I talk to the vampire witch lord that runs my school about this like she'll never understand me <laughs> like she'll probably think i'm crazy no bitch what are you talking about zoe clearly has some issues here because she thinks people are gonna think she's weird for liking blood, even though she's a vampire. She thinks mm -hmm. people are going to think she's dumb if she tells them she's having supernatural experiences as a supernatural being. I'm... Zoe, girl. I think you have some insecurity issues. Yeah. So, uh... Cowboy Bebop talks about how Nala is a bed hog, and Nala is Zoe's cat, for those who can't remember. And asks if she'll even follow Zoe to class. Spoiler alert, the cat follows Zoe everywhere. Yeah, it is always with her. It's really weird. <laughs> I mean, like, I get it. My cat is literally right next to me right now. Um, but... <laughs> it's a little weird. <laughs> yeah. So Aphrodite shows up at breakfast to make fun of Zoe, but Zoe tells her she's joining the Dark Daughters, which mm -hmm. makes Aphrodite pissy. And so then Aphrodite tells Zoe that there's a Semaine ritual the following night. And thus begins the caddy back and forth that will fill the last one third of this book. Yeah. It's lovely. Uh... So Cowboy Bebop doesn't like Zoe's plan for reconnoitering, and I just, they keep using this word, and I'm like, please, God, just say reconnaissance. Yeah. It's the word everybody uses. Yes. Uh, but then Zoe tells her that she plans to try and take down Aphrodite, which makes her very special spot tingle on her forehead, where her mark is. Goes yeah. Tingly, and I don't. Don't know what that means. I mean, I know what it means, but I don't know what it means. Yeah. It's weird. Um, it's like she takes it as affirmation that what she's doing is right. And I'm like, oh, wow, you have a spidey sense. <laughs> my Peter sense is tingling. <laughs> yeah, my Peter tingle. Uh, so then Zoe goes to meet with Neferit, and she just lets Nala destroy the desk so that she can pet her. Mm-hmm. Uh, props to her for being that laid back, I guess, because yeah. I couldn't deal with that. Uh, so Nephi calls Zoe by the nickname her grandmother uses, Zoe Bird, which I find to be a little bit weird to just start yeah. using a familial nickname for your student, 
But all yeah, right. Yeah, if one of my teachers was just like, hey, boo, how's it going? I would be like, never fucking call me that. <laughs> never do ever that again. again. Never, ever, ever. Fuck you for even thinking that was okay. <laughs> You're grounded from life. Yeah, and I have teachers who I'm I'm very close to. I I have teachers who were at my wedding, and I would still be like, never, <laughs> ever call me that. Absolutely not. So Zoe's bitching is followed by the most heinous. <laughs> shit to ever read through without any lead up you know yeah. how in twilight i was like <laughs> I know exactly what you're gonna say <laughs> wow they just led like they just casually dropped yeah that esme fucking yeeted herself off a cliff because her baby died and just pretended like it was nothing this Blows that fucking drop out of the water. Yeah. Just casually. At least with, yeah, at least with the Twilight Vampires, you already know that every single one of them went through a near-death experience. Because Edward gives us the precursor that Carlisle would never turn someone into a vampire who had another choice. And so, like, you already know going in that, like, if you hear someone else's backstory, it's going to be traumatizing. But this is literally... <laughs> this is so yeah warning again skip ahead like i don't know a minute if you don't want to hear us hear me detail the specifics of this truly heinous encounter that neferit decides to inform zoe of for no reason just yeah on the spot nephew's mother died when nephew was 10 and from that point until she was 15, at the time she was marked, her father decided to use her as a wife. God. So she was put into the position of a housewife, I guess, and sexually abused by her father for five years. From ages 10 to 15. And she says it like Zoe's like, oh, I just feel like I my home is not a safe place because my parents, you know, they judge me. You know, the only person I have is my grandma. And Nefer, it's like, yeah, I understand home not being a safe place. And then just like says that. Just says. And then they move on with the conversation. And for those who did skip a minute ahead, just to provide the barest of context. Five years worth of sexual assault. That is what yeah. is being discussed. <laughs> Ugh, so hor- horrible. Yeah, it is. Moving on. Nephi yeah, is mo- <laughs> go on. upset that Aphrodite didn't warn Zoe about the blood in the wine during the previous ritual. Uh, and then she wants Zoe to move into the fifth formers, which is the third year class. When she finds out about the bloodlust, but she ends up, they end up coming to a little agreement where Zoe will just stay in the regular class, first year class, and will do homework reading from the advanced sociology book. 
instead of the first year sociology book because she doesn't want to stand out any more than she already does. Um, then Nephi has Zoe give her the info for Heath and Kay and some football players from whatever that rival high school was because she's going to do some psychic shit, apparently, to ensure that Zoe didn't imprint on Heath. That's right. Imprinting is back. Mm -hmm. We're doing some fucking alpha, beta, omega universe <laughs> shit again, I guess. I mean, I don't want to sound like I have a superiority complex about this, but have you actually read Omegaverse stuff? I've read about the concepts. Okay. And they are terrifying. <laughs> After I read about nodding, I wanted to stop existing. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh... Go on! <laughs> apparently, we learned some vampires wish to completely outlaw feeding from humans directly. Blah, blah, blah. Nephi goes off to speak to a professor about Zoe being gone for a bit because of everything going on this morning and tells her to come see that she can come to Nephi. Neferit tells Zoe that Zoe can come to Neferit's room anytime because apparently the temple has this floor for priest high priestesses, but she's the only high priestess there right now. So she's got the whole floor to herself in the temple. Um. So she mentions that some vampires want to completely outlaw feeding, and it's made clear that she is not a fan <laughs> of this concept. Uh, which is, you might think, well, that, that seems a little extreme. Vampires should be allowed to feed from willing humans who, like, they're in a relationship with or something like that. Because, you know, it, it could be intimate a lot of the times in vampire lore, that case. Um, when a vampire imprints in this book, it essentially brainwashes the person that gets imprinted where they feel like their emotions get altered specifically to want to be around the vampire and give themselves to the vampire and be subservient to the vampire. And it's like, okay, yeah. so you're essentially talking about what is magical indoctrination uh, by a vampire on a subject. So if that is the result of drinking directly from a human, yeah, maybe you shouldn't allow that. That's pretty yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, no matter what, the human involved in that scenario is not going to be able to have a decent sense of exactly what's going to happen to them. No. Uh, if they allow themselves to be fed on. So, like, even if a, a human was willing to be fed on, their brain chemistry is going to be altered. And that means that they won't ever have a choice after that first time. It's like telling somebody, hey, are you cool with doing this psychedelic drug? And they're like, yeah, I'm cool with doing the psychedelic drug. That's fine. And they consent to it. Uh, but once they do the psychedelic drug, they are constantly in that state of high. They never mm -hmm. lose the high and yeah. you just get to con like tell them to do shit and, and basically control. I'm like, it's essentially the, it's like the, uh, MK ultra 
Vampires basically fucking MK Ultra via feeding on humans. Yeah. Um. So. Just a random tidbit, nothing to actually do with the story. Uh, but I'm now reading the ebook, like I said before. And the very first page of the of this chapter has the sentence, from what I saw when the alarm went off. And I'm like Not went. Not went. When. When. And I'm like, wow, these really didn't have an editor, did they? Because you had a bunch of typos in yours. This ebook has typos. The fucking yeah. physical books have... I'm like, what is happening in this editing? Um, and that morning when Aphrodite came up to Zoe and Zoe was like, yeah, I'm going to join the Dark Daughters. Zoe mentioned that Wasp, which is one of Aphrodite's trio, isn't with them. And unless I managed to miss something in the remaining chapters of this book about this specific morning... This is never relevant. They just... Yeah. This is Chekhov's gun left unfired. It's, oh, yeah. It's it's not even a red herring because it doesn't point to anything. It's just... Yeah, it's just like, hmm, she's not there. And then it never comes up again. <laughs> it is so fucking weird. It's like, why would you mention that? It is literally the unfired Chekhov's gun of the end of this book. Um... And it gets even more weird because Zoe has this little parenthetical joke in the text uh, about Wasp probably melting in the shower, which ends with her literally saying, hee hee, internally. (laughs) This book is literally the top highest tier of cringe at times. We go from that... To the most heinous shit in a couple pages of this book. Just, I don't. Um, Also in this chapter, Zoe tells Nephi that she doesn't hear Nala speak to her. And I can't tell if this is Zoe being a fucking idiot. If she is intentionally hiding her dream that she had of Nala speaking to her. Or if the authors just forgot that that happened. Yeah. I actually don't know which of those it is. Because now Nala... did she intentionally hide it, though? I thought she could... I thought you can't lie to vampires. <laughs> it's like, she's just like, yeah, did... Uh, has Nala spoken to you? And Zoe's just like, nope. No mention of the fact that she literally talked to her in her dreams. And I'm like... I... So either you're lying or you're stupid... Or the authors forgot. And honestly, I think the authors might have just forgot because nothing else makes sense. Hi, Ruby. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, someone, a package just got delivered and uh, someone rang the doorbell and now Ruby's upset. (laughs) Ruby's always a little upset. She is. She's caught, her eyes are so wide. She's always just like, I don't know what's going on. She was born small and she's not happy about it. That is true. <laughs> um, Neferet also just casually mentions during their whole super serious conversation that Zoe will stop feeling things for humans eventually, which is just really 
fucked up. Um, because by that logic, no human should ever have empathy for another species. Like, she's like, yeah, you'll stop feeling empathy for human beings. And that's okay, because you're not a human anymore. And I'm like, cool, so it's okay to not care about dogs? (laughs) Because we're not dogs? Or not care about pigs? Because we're not like, what the fuck are you talking about, you crazy yeah. bitch? Um, she also tells Zoe during this part that a vampire isn't human, but they are humane. Yeah, humane doesn't mean that you're like a human. No, humane means that you're not a shitty person. I would, I. When I put these notes down, I went through Google to try and figure this out because I was like, is this just a way of using the word humane that no, the only use I can find of humane is acting with like compassion or empathy, basically. And I'm like, and she's not saying so either she's contradicting herself and saying we're not you'll lose empathy for humans, but you'll be compassionate and empathetic for humans or she's saying we're like human, but we're not human and using the incorrect word. And I'm just like, you are, you had two people writing this, two people and editors. Well, maybe you had editors. I'm not sure at this point. How, how do you fuck up? Cause that's just like such, there's like small errors that slip through, but that's such a, tremendous error i feel like in the intention Mm -hmm. of the sentence that i'm like that's a real problem yeah Yeah. um and hey this is ow (laughs) sorry i might have just caught my hand on my headphones and hurt myself (laughs) (laughs) okay um this is where Neferit, this section where Neferit says that she's intuitive and can just pick certain things from people's minds. She can't read yeah. their minds. She's not Edwarding them exactly, but she can pick out things. And I'm like, yeah, you, you can't. <laughs> so how do you not know that Aphrodite's evil? Hmm. I mean, she does know that she Aphrodite's does. evil. But it's like, okay, here's the problem. Here's the problem with this because your pro- people are gonna hear this and they're going to think, oh, well, obviously that's just supposed to be misleading. Okay, yeah. It is supposed to be misleading. But the problem is that the other characters are also aware that you can't lie to adult vampires and make that point. So if you were going to have it be revealed later that a character knows something they're not supposed to know, you can't proceed that with the contradiction that this character just knows things that they shouldn't know already. Yeah. Like it's, (laughs) they spend the whole, they, they've said several times now that it's like, well, you can't lie to adult vampires, but somehow Aphrodite has convinced Neferit that she's good. And then at the end be like, have Neferit be like, I always knew you were evil. And it's like, what? That's just stupid. Like I, un- 
I understand that sometimes like expectations are going to be subverted, but it's like to just be like, well, Neferit should know that she's evil and then have it be like, well, yeah, of course Neferit knew she was evil the whole time. It's that's not. It's just stupid. That's just dumb. This is. Have you seen? Have you watched Glass Onion? I have watched Glass Onion. We watched it the day after Christmas, I think. I loved it. It yeah. was so good. I fucking love, fucking love Benoit Blanc. Yeah, we so we saw it in theaters the one week that it was in theaters. And then it was also like we're, the, our friend was just watching it last night when uh, we got over or yesterday afternoon when we got over to their house for our New Year's Eve party. So... Um, yeah, I for- it's just dumb. <laughs> I forgot that I wanted to talk to you about that before we started recording today. Cause I was like, I should tell Sarah we watched it. I was like, nah, I'll just save that for when we record. Yeah. <laughs> and Ben Shapiro's fucking critique of Glass Onion. Did you see Ben Shapiro's critique? I saw, I, all I, I, cause I have Ben Shapiro blocked on Twitter. So I, no, I didn't see it, but I did see the beginning of the thread where he was just like, Glass Onion is just bad. Here's why. And because someone screenshotted it and posted it on Tumblr. But I did not see why he said it was bad. One of the reasons was that you can't figure out the movie because without them explaining it later. And I feel like that's entirely missing the point of the movie because the whole spoilers... If you haven't watched Glass Onion and you intend to skip the next, like, I don't know, just scan ahead until we're not talking about it. I'm going to make this quick. But the whole concept at the turn of the movie is that they have been acting under this expectation that the villain is intelligent and plotting when really he's just a fucking idiot. Yeah. And that's kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that it's difficult to figure out the movie until the turn, because it's the whole thing is that the audience is overthinking the plot of the movie. It's really simple and stupid. And it's like it's meant to be that the plot of the movie mirrors the message of the movie in that sense. Mm -hmm. So if you sit there. (laughs) Yeah. And even then, it's like. There's a part where the biggest reveal, the biggest like moment of reveal in the movie, I don't want to say the actual biggest reveal, but the moment that's played off like the biggest reveal is when Benoit, during his analysis of this whole mystery that's gone on, he just goes, and I realized that you're just stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Talking to, talking to the main antagonist. And it's, he gives this whole speech about things that if you were paying attention, you would notice throughout the movie. Like what, like, and there's so many details that go into it, but like most of it is in the way he talks, the way he, you know, self aggrandizes and stuff like that. There's like art in his home. He owns like all of this, like priceless art and you if you look at it some of it is oriented wrong like some of the art is upside down some of it is just like being misrepresented it's like there's like not to spoil anything but there's a one of the biggest things is that it's it's taking place in covid times and uh 
because all of the museums closed, somehow he bought the Mona Lisa from the Louvre, but like, it's not actually the Mona Lisa. <laughs> um, like at the end of the movie, something happens and the Mona Lisa is destroyed, but it burns and is a canvas, and the Mona Lisa is painted on wood. So. He doesn't he didn't actually buy the Mona Lisa. He's just stupid. <sighs> He's an idiot. He is. <laughs> the Much last like the authors of this book. <laughs> paragraph of this chapter gives us the first and basically only evidence of good authorship in mm -hmm. this book. And it's Zoe in Neffert's office, and she says, I sat down at her desk and thought about how great she was and how long it had been since my mom had hugged me like that. And for some reason, I started to cry. And I'm like, you know what? That, that is a good moment. If the entire book was written mm -hmm. like that, it would be a much better book because it's just this moment of connecting this new leader figure in your life with what you've lost from your past. And yes, like this emotional moment. But unfortunately, the rest of this book is just absolute hot garbage. Yeah. It's the worst. Chapter 21. Chapter 21. Zoe calls her grandmother, which, by the way, so this, so she has a cell phone, we know, but she basically hasn't fucking used it the entire book, and she keeps saying that she forgot about it, and then things, bad things keep happening because she forgets that her cell phone exists, which is very funny to think about, especially in 2022. Like, I can't, I literally can't imagine just forgetting my cell phone exists. Look, I had cell phones back when they were flip phones and texted people yeah. and stuff. I don't even understand this. Having Having either. lived that time in my life, I'm like, I don't, how did you it's just not forget? Like she's, yeah. It's not like she's one of those people who, like, like, she's just a normal teenager. She would have used her cell phone a lot when before she was a vampire. And I know that all of her friends now, like, live at the school. I don't know. It's just, it's just really dumb writing. It, like, it definitely reads, like, this part specifically is coming from the mom. Because in this time, maybe mom was always forgetting about her cell phone. And she doesn't understand how someone could be, like, like have it basically be attached to them. And so that's why it's written that way. I don't know. Anyway, so Zoe calls her grandmother and talks to her about the different things that have made the change hard for her. She confides in her about drinking blood, then tells her that she can feel the five elements when a circle is cast. Grandma Redbird literally quotes Spider-Man by saying, with great power comes great responsibility. And Zoe says she feels like she's destined to topple Aphrodite. Um, and grandma tells Zoe to do a purification prayer, quote unquote, to keep herself safe from harm. Grandma takes everything Zoe says in stride. She li like, it, like, I get that like a lot of it is 
whatever, but, like, so much, Zoe being like, I have an affinity for all of the elements, and Grandma just being like, yes, it makes sense. You're I understand s- where you're coming from. You're special, Zoe. You always have been. Bitch, what? Since when? What? How? How was she special before? She wasn't. I don't know how to tell you this, Grandma. She was snout. <laughs> she was never special, Grandma Redbird. <laughs> yeah, Grandma Redbird. 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 Grandma Redbird. Redbird. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this, but your Zoe was never that special. That's what I'm like. Saying you're special Zoe, you always have been, works if, like, the first book she was a normal human and she did some, like, crazy supernatural shit when she was still a human. It does not work when she was just yeah. a normal human for a couple pages. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. She also says, you've always loved cats. To Zoe on the phone when she tells her about Nala. And I'm like, yeah, great, thanks. How has that never come up before? When Zoe found out that there were cats everywhere and that, like, cats and often, like, choose their humans. Why was Zoe not like, ooh, exciting, I love cats, like. Yeah, that's like, that would be the normal way to find that out. This is just a weird way to, like, give that information to us. Just another (laughs) character telling this character how they feel about something. Yeah. What? Uh, And she also tells Zoe, there's nothing you you could say to make me stop loving you. It is the most on-the-nose statement, yeah. given the context of the conversation at that point. And I just got to throw out there that if you make every character in your story have this intuitive sense of exactly what they need to say at what time, uh, yeah. it's no longer cool or special. It just means all your characters seem to be able to read each other's minds, and it's really annoying. Mm-hmm. Damn straight. <laughs> That's all. That's all I have on that part. Okay. Uh, so Zoe decides to use that oak tree from the last part for her ritual um, and rambles for a strangely long amount of time about Heath sleeping in after staying up late. It's literally a very long paragraph where she talks about how Heath will sleep in if he stays up late. Um, at lunch, Eric checks in on Zoe and they flirt a little. Eric asks her to watch Star Wars with him to prove he's a big dork. But she says no because she's already planning on going to a Dark Daughters thing with Aphrodite that night, which doesn't make sense because Eric is a member of the Dark Sons, so he will also be there. Yeah. What? (laughs) And he acts all put off by it. He literally acts like she has hurt his feelings by not going to this, by not watching Star Wars with him. And it's like... You're gonna fucking be at the thing that she turned you down to go to. To be fair, he does start the conversation by coming out of nowhere. We have no lead up to this. It's just Zoe and her thoughts. And then all of a sudden, this piece of dialogue. Don't you think baby corn are scary? There's, (laughs) There's just something wrong about their tiny bodies. And I'm just begging you, Eric Knight, to please stop talking. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, Zoe says in this section that trees, especially oaks, are sacred to the Cherokee people. Now, 
I, I deep dived on this one a little bit, or maybe I shallow dived because I did a cursory search of Google. Yeah. Because at this point, I just assume everything is bullshit. Um, and I wasn't actually able to turn up anything about this. Uh, the only thing I could find was that Cherokee people used oak wood for basket weaving and ceremonial fires, but they also used like other woods for similar like similarly important things it didn't in what i found in my cursory google search there was nothing to suggest that oak trees were specifically sacred to the cherokee peoples i'm not saying it's bullshit yeah the casts also uh made up a fake history about the cherokee people living in oklahoma for 2000 years even though the Cherokee people didn't live in Oklahoma until after the Trail of Tears in the 19th century, so. Look, at this point, just fucking make up a group of people. Yeah. Just make it, like, it's significantly less insulting than just taking the name of a group mm-hmm. of historically marginalized yeah. people and just lying about their... <laughs> Well, the problem with stuff like this, it's the same shit that happened with Twilight. The 13 to 15-year-old girls... Okay, I don't want to stereotype. The young people who are reading these books, they are going to assume that you are telling the truth about those groups of people. The Quileute tribe has talked a lot about the harmful stereotypes that were perpetuated by Stephanie Meyer's book and all of the misinformation that is that has come out of all of the stories that she just fucking made up about the Quileute people. And uh I can only imagine and like this is this is, this is probably gonna sound insensitive. The Quileute tribe is very small. Ext- like extremely small. They literally I'm pretty sure they they're, they're all that's left of them is on that reservation up in Washington. And the Cherokee people are bigger and more well-known. And so, like, it's it's definitely easier to have people be like, I don't think you're... I think you're just pulling shit out of your ass when it comes to the, the Cherokee people than the Quileute people. But it's, it's all extremely harmful nonetheless. Just stop it. Just stop it, authors. I know. It's bad. These authors also don't know how high school football works. Nope. You do not get to sleep until 2 p.m. every day in the summer. It's like they've never heard of training. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, we get another classic line from Eric. Uh, if, his, uh-huh. if his acting, his monologue advice wasn't good enough, uh, we now get, it's not real, you know. Acting is all pretend. It's not what I really am. Thank you, Eric. I didn't wow. know acting wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I. Mm. <laughs> and after so we sit down. One of them says, what could be more important than a date with Eric? Since Zoe refused to go on the date. And I'm like, literally anything anything like almost anything you people are weird (laughs) (laughs) chapter 22 
Uh-huh. The gang finds out about Zoe joining the Dark Daughters, as well as her plans for a cleansing ritual, before Brokeback Mountain makes Zoe spill the beans on just how special she is. The others are going to help her gather the needed ingredients and cast a circle, and are already referring to her as a high priestess. Gag. So much gag. Uh, The next voice tells Zoe to value them. They are pearls of great price. I am not crazy. This was not a dream. Because my first thought when I read pearls of great price was Mormon. Because one of the texts in Mormonism is the pearl of great price. So I looked the phrase up because, of course, it might just be a common phrase that the Mormons adopted. But basically all the results I found were for the book Pearl of Great Price. (laughs) Apparently we cannot escape the Mormons. Nope. So. Cannot. I. The the cast might be associated with Mormonism somewhere along the line. Though with their (laughs) distaste that they show for christian faith uh based on the way the people of faith are shown in this book makes me wonder if they had been around like a mormon if like they had family that was mormon and one of them was raised mormon or something they might be ex-mormons yeah because the way that they portray the people of faith doesn't add up with being mormon (laughs) yeah um and somebody, one of them, either uh, Shawnee or the other one, says, your mom needs Aaron. to read more. Aaron says, your mom needs to read more as a comeback. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> you wrote that in a book. Maybe if yeah. somebody's mom had read your more, mom. this book would be better. <laughs> Damn straight. So Spanish and horsey time just fly right by. And Aphrodite shows up at the end of horse time and scares the shit out of Zoe. Uh, She says she knows what Zoe is planning, which freaks Zoe out. Until Aphrodite starts talking about Zoe trying to win over Eric. Uh, So then they begin arguing and Aphrodite's advances over Aphrodite's advances and attempted sexual assault which Zoe does rightly call her out for, uh, at which point Aphrodite tries to attack her. But Zoe catches her arm, which seems to be some kind of super vampire skills that she's she has based it's on the way it's anime. written. Yes. Uh, and taunts Aphrodite, when, or taunts her when Aphrodite tries to excommunicate her from the Dark Daughters, uh, which would obviously upset Neferit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Aphrodite storms off and snapped spine Cliff comes out from behind a tree where she was hiding. <laughs> Every time I see I see your little Stevie Ray nickname and I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> At least with Renesme, it was always an R word. So I could I could follow. Well, I'm using cowboy words. <laughs> <laughs> 
Snap Spine Cliff <laughs> is the same as Brokeback Mountain, which is a movie about gay cowboys. Okay. Uh, so they agree that Afro sucks, and Zoe realizes she has no choice but to take that bitch down again. This is the third chapter in a row that she's realizing she needs to take that bitch down. Um, she when that when Aphrodite sneaks up on her, Zoe asks her if she's part spider, and I don't I don't know if that's a thing, but uh, yeah, that's not normally. It's not what like people she like drops use. down out of a tree or something like that. She's literally just standing there. Like literally, the word people use is a cat. Normally, like why did you say yeah. spider, you weirdo? Uh, during their argument, Aphrodite says, did I look like Eric's mom when you watched me suck his dick in the hall? First of all, I mean, did she? Gross. (laughs) Second of all, she didn't suck his dick. She tried to suck his dick. She failed. I just, why would you say that? because and also during this section Zoe says I'm not one of the kids you can bully which would be a better line except that it's the world's most judgmental bitch saying it uh huh so here's my new t-shirt idea okay Uh, we get Zoe's face under the title of the book so it's marked at the top and then Zoe's face under it and then at, under her face, it says, as the world's most judgmental bitch. <laughs> um, also, the quote at the end of the chapter, darkness does not always equate to evil, just as light does not always bring good, has hundreds of highlights on Kindle. It has very, I'm 15 and this is deep energy to it. Well, are you 15 and is this deep? No. Neither. Shit. I'm not 15. This is not deep. (laughs) Um... The next chapter. Chapter 23. Zoe and Stevie wait by the tree for Damien and the twins, ruminating on the awkward interaction she had with Eric during lunch. I guess he feels rejected because she said no to watching movies with him, even though, once again, they are going to the same event this this evening. Uh, the gang meets up with a smudged stick and some stolen candles, and they start their improvised ritual with some over-explained smudging and lots of Ill- ill-advised talk about Cherokee spirits. Using the candles, Zoe manifests all five elements at one, at once, says a modified version of the purification prayer. And by modified, I mean it's completely fabricated. And closes out the ritual with a plea to the spirits to help her know what to do and to have courage. That is everything that happens in that chapter. Um, it was, it, it's longer than it sounds. <laughs> yes. Um, also, she gives... Uh, uh, fuck, what's his name? Gay boy. Damien. Damien. Uh, the candle that apparently opens the circle for the element. Um, and when she says he's opening the circle, he's like, kind of like, I wish I could open people's minds. 
Shut the fuck up, Damien. Shut, Shut up, the fuck Damien. up. <laughs> During this section, they make a point that Zoe is part Cherokee, but the rest of them are most definitely white and or a different person of color. Mm-hmm. And the white authors that wrote this book had one character say the line, I don't think it matters that much what we are. Sorry, I think I actually typed that down wrong. Yeah. I don't think it matters that much what we are on the outside. And I'm like, white people, you don't, you don't get to just (laughs) start taking rituals of other cultures and, and just saying they're yours and then saying, well, it's okay because what's on the outside doesn't, no, no, you don't get to do that with sacred religious Uh-huh. White people. My brothers and sisters. <laughs> I can't. I can't with you. Yeah. Chapter 24. Everyone praises Zoe for being such a super big bestest circle maker. She is the, this is the best circle they've ever been in. It's super powerful. She's so cool. also i just remembered this does not happen the same day as the ritual there's another morning in between this and the day of the ritual i think this was taking place instead of her watching movies with eric okay yeah um well i it was it's so they they do screw up their timeline i make a note of it at one point it's kind of they they keep saying like things have happened over the course of like one day or something like that or like whatever but like they keep writing extra days in there and then being like yeah but just yesterday no that was like at least three days ago like you literally you can't even keep track of your own timeline so i realize i ranted a lot about that but also it's not my fault for getting confused no they themselves are also confused it doesn't what's going on they need a calendar yes (laughs) They need to an outline of of every day because like this this entire book does happen over the course of like a fucking week, but they they themselves don't seem to have a grasp on like how long is going on between their own events. Also, I have not kept track of the number of days, but we also haven't had a weekend yet, so. I think it it has to be less than five days that all of this takes place over, right? But also, I think there are more nights than that. Like, I think there's more than five nights. I I feel like this is doing something where it's, like, skipping days for us, but pretending it's not skipping days because it doesn't acknowledge that days were skipped. Yes. It's really because weird. I'm thinking about it. I'm, tr- I'm thinking about it in my mind. And I'm like, well, when she started there... There was the full moon ritual that night. Then there was another night, which was normal. Right? And then, or not normal, but that's maybe the next night is when the, the Heath thing happened. Then there was a third night. I feel like there's been more than five. And, and they haven't had a weekend yet. 
Do the do the vampire kids just go to school every single day? This is Japan. No breaks. <laughs> they have they have six day weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. I don't understand the timeline of this book. Um, yeah. We just say okay and events happen. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, so Zoe does finally realize that a goddess wouldn't make her so super duper special just to take down this one dumb bitch running the Dark Daughters Club at a school. Yeah. Which, like, took you a really long time to realize that was not... It's like God anointing thing. a twink to take down the president of the drama club. <laughs> <laughs> Come to me, my twink. <laughs> Here is your sidekick, Butch. <laughs> the power to lift. Two grown men. I was gonna say she's uh she's uh head of like running crew or like set set building crew or something oh my like God. that. Oh no, no, we gotta stop. We're already writing a better book. <laughs> um so yeah, so she Zoe tells the others to head back so she can think. And then Eric shows up again and they talk about their exes and he gets super duper serious about how his relationship with Afro Titty is Zoe's business and how she is a super liar. Um, Zoe agrees to watch movies with him and then they kiss, but she gets all weird telling Eric that she's not like Afro Titty. She won't make out in a public space. Then they settle everything. I can't wait until we get to the events of book three. <laughs> They settle everything, and Zoe agrees not to let Afro be an issue for them. And I'm just like... I can't make out in a public... It is the middle of the night. Which, I mean, granted, the vampires. But, like, it's the middle of the night period where even the vampires are back inside. They are the only people out here. Yeah. Everyone else is going to bed. Because uh -huh. it's going to be morning. I'm like... Are you just slut? Is this just another opportunity to slut shame? Yes, absolutely. And the romance shit that is being said in this chapter belongs at the end of a longer book that is actually focused on the romance, which this book is has not been. Yeah, these two characters have had like four conversations. This is like beyond. Bella and Edward levels of like what the fuck are you talking about Zoe you make me feel different than anyone else has ever made me feel before what Aphrodite made me feel was all physical what you make me feel is about touching my heart I know the difference Zoe and I thought you did too I stared at him, at those gorgeous blue eyes that it seemed to touch me the first time he looked at me. I'm sorry, I said softly. That was mean of me. I do know the difference. Promise me that you won't let Aphrodite come between us. I promise. It scared me, but I meant it. 
this romance has been in like the past five chapters. I don't even. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's literally like. This is adding a romance because so... you feel like your book needs a romance. So in, I'm going to talk about Twilight again. <laughs> um, I, I, so I have recontextualized Twilight in my mind a lot in recent months because when I went to, so I went and saw Twilight in the theater back at the beginning of December. It was wonderful. I loved seeing it. Um, but while I was watching it, I was like, this reads a lot differently if you consider Bella and Edward to be like miserable victims of fate. Like, if you think about it in terms of like them feeling like they have no other choice than being with each other, but knowing that like them being with each other hurts because both of them are fully aware of the turmoil that them being together causes, but they still feel like they are drawn to each other and like they have like they have to be together and stuff like that. And it does make a lot of like the brooding and the nonsense. It really recontextualizes it and actually makes it feel real. Um, but even then, like if you're not considering it in that context, if you just look at it from the way the books are written, you can still get a sense of like why they feel drawn to each other. This makes no fucking sense because it's not written like a mysterious, like, fated encounter type thing. It's literally just, like, two teenagers. It literally reads like <laughs> they saw each other, they thought one another were hot, and for some reason they're spewing out this poetic romance bullshit. Yes. It's really weird. It is. Ins it is really weird. Um... Anyway, chapter 25. The following morning is suspiciously calm as Zoe doesn't have any encounters with Aphrodite or her three friends. Then in English class, Elliot starts to violently cough and vomit blood and is taken away by a few vampire men. Nefret informs the class that he will die and that one out of every ten of them will meet the same fate. She asks that they carry themselves every day in the way they want to be remembered if they were to die tomorrow. Offers them Nix's blessing, then leaves. After a moment of silence and cleaning up the blood, Professor P continues class like normal. That Elliot kid started coughing. Jeesh. This kid was completely and totally, totally annoying. First of all. First of all, Zoe is the exact type of person I worry about. When I'm worried I might be annoying people when I call. Yes. Yes. Because, like, we as neurodivergent people probably are constantly afraid that we're annoying people with everything we do. And people like Zoe who are annoyed by literally fucking everything that everybody does, that's the person who exists in my brain. Yeah, she is, is my... She is my fear. <laughs> yes, literally. Second, she knows... That illness equals death in this yes. school. She's a fucking idiot. The second yeah. somebody starts coughing uncontrollably near you in this school, you should probably be like, oh, fuck, are they dying? Either they're choking on something or they're dying. Yeah. 
Also, we get the second line that I decided to pick out specifically out of awkward line readings, which is when Neferit tells them the whole living thing. She's like, I want you to live as you would be remembered if you would die tomorrow because you might. Yeah. And I I just kept reading the line and even I read it now and I'm like, I still can't place how that sent like I understand what it's saying because it's a very common concept. Yeah, but I can't sure. make the words make sense when I read them in that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> No one liked Elliot, Stevie Ray says. Somehow, I think that makes it worse. Yes. That, on the other hand, is a really good line because it's just Mm -hmm. a really accurate thing to say. Like, when something bad happens to somebody you all dislike, and it's something that you can't just gloat about. Oh, yeah. it, It ends up being this kind of situation where you're like, I feel bad, but I don't feel bad because I don't like them. And because I don't Mm -hmm. like them, it makes it worse to try and pick through my feelings on this. Yeah. I was like, that was... Like, they all all insulted the shit out of him for being sickly and and weird and for being lazy and stuff like that. Even though we all know that if one of the vampires is sickly, that means they're dying, as we've already said. Um, and they all fucking hated him and multiple characters were like, I wish he'd just like get the fuck out of here and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, he's dead now. Are you happy? Are you happy about that? And it, you know, you've got these characters who are like, oh, well, I didn't like him. I didn't want him to die, (laughs) but like, I didn't like him. So I don't feel sad about the fact that he died, but somehow that makes me feel worse. I mean... That that be how it is. One of the most real parts of this book right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Zoe and Stevie leave lunch early and Stevie tries to talk Zoe out of going to the dark ritual the Dark Daughter's Samhain ritual that night. Uh Zoe is determined to go, but Stevie fights back until she hears Zoe's phone going off repeatedly. She checks her phone to find a bunch of texts and calls from Heath, all of them begging to see her. Zoe makes an excuse to go see Neferit without telling Stevie the whole situation, then runs off. But why is she running off? Well, she's running off because in chapter 26, (laughs) she goes to see Nephi about imprinting on Heath. That's right. She thinks she imprinted this bitch. She Jacobed him. Uh, But instead, she finds Aphrodildo slumped in a corner of the hallway mid-vision. Uh, so she takes her to see Nephi, but the vision is super unclear and grotesque. There's just, she's screaming about blood and bodies and nothing that makes any sense. But then she kind of comes to for a second, looks straight into Zoe's eyes and tells her that she knows. And then just kind of descends back into madness. Uh, so Nephi tells Zoe to leave Afro with her. And then Zoe spends the day wondering if Afro will actually show up for the ritual that night. Um, and then her friends try and convince her to take them along and or just avoid the ritual altogether. But Zoe snaps at them and rubs her superiority in their faces before storming off. Because she's like, if you keep calling me high priestess and you think I'm so amazing, then why are you questioning me? 
Do not question my authority. Yeah, my non-existent fabricated authority. Yeah. They just made up. Also, yeah. she's been here a few... I, I'm gonna, it's been I'm, days. I'm going to wait till it's the end. It's been a few days. I'm holding okay. it in. I'm holding it in. Go on. Zoe talks to Nala about feeling guilty and how she should apologize before trying to return to the dorm. But she stops when she sees Elliot's ghost. Then Nala attacks him when he tries to lunge at Zoe. And after tossing off Nala, he jumps the school wall and disappears. Turns out he's not really a ghost. He's just some abomination they don't understand because she can smell the blood, but it doesn't smell like good blood. It smells like basements. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> so Zoe makes it back to the dorm room and ponders whether to tell Nephi what happened, but her instincts tell her she has to go to the ritual. And we all know she's got to listen to her special goddess tingle. Of course. She's got a goddess tingle. <laughs> so, chapter 27, when Zoe oh makes it God. to the rec call. What? It's a goddess tingle. Her G-spot's on her forehead. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So chapter 27, when Zoe makes it to the rec hall, Aphrodite immediately starts mocking her. Uh, when everyone has gathered, she makes a comment about Elizabeth dying yesterday, uh, quote unquote, which is the second time it's been said she died yesterday, even though it was definitely at least two days ago. I think it was three or maybe four days ago. Like, it was not yesterday. If I didn't abhor the idea of reading this book again, I would go back because it's so easy to read through it quickly and try and construct an actual timeline. But I do not want to read this book again. Yeah. Um, Anyway, she also remarks on Elliot dying today, which that did happen today. So we've got at least that correct. Um, Zoe is annoyed with Aphrodite for being flippant about them dying, but basically says she doesn't care about Elliot because he was annoying and unattractive. She literally says the word unattractive when qualifying why she doesn't care about him dying. I Aphrodite, yeah. Protagonist. <laughs> yeah. Aphrodite says that they're going to they're going out to celebrate Samhain, and if they focus on being invisible, the humans won't notice them. Which is apparently a power vampires just have. Zoe doesn't really want to go, but she agrees to it when she realizes Eric is going and they'll get to hang out. How do you think your protagonist is the good guy when they literally think, I'm glad that person's, or I don't care that that person's dead because they were annoying and unattractive? Yeah. I didn't realize that physical... qualities (laughs) were required for being deserving of existence oh you didn't i didn't you've got a rude awakening (laughs) she's like Um, she's like the worst part of the comment section on twitter constantly oh absolutely so the whole group sneaks off campus through a secret door which is literally just like some bricks move aside on the wall and they're able to slip through. It's like, it's like Diagon Alley. (laughs) 
As much as I hate to talk about Harry Potter. It's diagonally? Diagonally. Um, <laughs> Zoe is worried about security guards. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, they and they the group makes its way to a museum. Zoe is worried about security guards, but Eric assures her that they've likely been drugged by Aphrodite. So it's fine. You know, uh, more sp- it's cool. <laughs> more specifically, they go to a gazebo outside of the museum where Aphrodite's friends and a fresh refrigerator are waiting. Aphrodite begins her ritual burning some sweet grass, though Zoe notes she doesn't burn any sage first, so the sweet grass could attract possible, possibly dangerous energies. As she summons forth spirits for Samhain, just as the ceremony is coming to an end, Heath arrives. I can, at least, Zoe seems to have moral objections to the fact that Aphrodite's drugging people. That's the only... We know she has a line. (laughs) Good thing I can say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chapter 28. Heath makes everything work. We're almost at the end. We're almost at the end. We're so close. Heath makes everything worse. Uh, Eric tries to hold him back while Heath puffs up like a gorilla and Aphrodite tries to coax him into the circle. She literally starts rubbing her tits and vagina at one point, which is really fucking gross. Um, (laughs) Literally just rubbing her vagina. Why? Why would they do? Why would you write that? Just move on. (laughs) When they hold Heath back, a bunch of gray wisps fly out of Aphrodite and say they'll go to him instead. So then Damien and co appear and yell at Aphrodite to fix shit or Heath's going to die. But she just gets all gray, literally, and sulky. While the other members of the circle ditch and the wisps start pulling through the boundaries, pouring through the boundaries of the circle... Um, so then it turns out High Noon was the refrigerator. Uh, so she throws off the cape and that they draped over her at the center of the table. And then the crew tries to take over the circle while Afro Titty gets all stubborn about it. But they tell her to fuck off and do it anyways. So with the circle established, Zoe asks the spirits to take the blood they were offered originally but they resist because they want the warm young blood. And then Zoe gets all uppity and starts commanding them with the power of the elements until she gets them to leave and then closes the circle. And everyone is super into Zoe's new look, which is a series of markings around her brow, eyes, and neck and shoulders, which includes some ancient language in them that we don't know. Um, Then they realize that Heath needs help because he was getting lashed at by the spirits and is all bloody uh, before Afro makes her presence known again. And then what follows is multiple pages of shower thought bully fan fiction. That's the (laughs) only way I can describe multiple pages. Uh, Zoe tells Afro Titty that she's no longer leader of the dark daughters and Titty says she doesn't have authority. And then Neferet appears. Um, 
literally multiple pages of them just dialoguing, of everyone in the circle just dialoguing to Aphrodite about how much of a bitch she is. And I'm yeah. like... This, like, every extended uh, piece of dialogue in this book is is extremely cringy. And, like, I love stuff that's cringe, but not like this. <laughs> I love it. I One of my favorite things is watching bad movies. Uh-huh. I can enjoy some cringe. I love a comeuppance. But this is... Li- Shower thought bully fan fiction is literally what this is. It is legit like that time, that thing you do in the shower where you're like, man, this would have been a good comeback if I'd thought of it earlier. And just multiple pages of that. Unfiltered. Yeah. Um, also, Zoe yells at Aphrodite during the section and says, you almost caused Heath to die. Not Heath almost died because of you. Not you almost killed Heath. You almost caused Heath to die. <laughs> this is, you know, there's there's talking, there's there's discussions about passive language and active language and writing, and I don't even know what this language is. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Continue. Let's do this last chapter. Last chapter. Chapter 29. Neferit heals Heath and Eric um, because she has a million powers. Then removes Aphrodite as leader of the Dark Daughters. She bestows the honor on Zoe, who gladly accepts. And everyone bows to her because she's simply the best. And everyone clapped. (laughs) Uh, The students all head back towards campus and Stevie reveals she volunteered to be the refrigerator so she and the rest of their friends would know where... Oh, God. Ah, Sorry, this book is really putting me to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So they would know that where the Dark Daughters ritual was taking place. Eric joins their group and kisses Zoe. Then they all continue back to the school to get something to eat. Zoe is stopped by Nala, then is stopped more by Aphrodite, who indicates that what happened tonight was preordained and that they both were only puppets in some grand plan that Zoe knows nothing about. After a cryptic back and forth, Aphrodite storms off and Zoe returns to the school with the rest of her friends in tow. And that's the end of the book. And uh, to be fair here, when she says there are some puppets and some grand plan, the implication is not that this was just preordained, but that she was specifically acting out a part that she was given to play. Yes. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> the part of the the bitchy bitch who who does a bitch and is bitchy. Yeah, and when Neferit shows up here, this is where she reveals at this very end, like when she takes the leadership away from Aphrodite, she literally rips the necklace off of Aphrodite's neck. Which is just more cringe. Uh, But she's like, yeah, I always knew you were a bitch. But, like, I thought you would mature. But you didn't. You're just a bitch. And I'm like, you knew. You knew and you just let this happen. What is wrong with you? Yeah. So Aphrodite did not fool Neferit. Neferit knew the whole time. 
which is, again, really stupid. This if you're going to have the whole book have people saying, I don't know how she fools Neferit. Yeah, that was book one. Now book we two. Have book two. We got to read book two now. It's going to be a... Do you have book two already? Future Emmy cutting in here. I was able to locate book two. I couldn't find it on my shelf during the recording. But I'm here to let you know that we are going to be beginning our next episode with chapters one through ten of Betrayed. Dun, dun, dun. Follow us on Twitter. At LitmastersPod, M is at M of many names. I am at Sarah S. Wilton. Hit us with a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash LitmastersPod. Shoot us an email at LiteraryMastersPod at gmail.com. We are chronically online, not in a bad way, but in a um, I'm addicted to social media in order to escape <laughs> real life kind of way. Um, and we are always happy to hear from y'all. And don't forget, hit us up on Tumblr at literarymasterspod.tumblr.com. Now that we have this first book finished, I intend to go in and post the episodes from this season uh, that are out so far and kind of update the page to make it work. So if you are a Tumblr user, follow us and you can communicate with us on there as well. Hell yeah. We love that. Do you have any closing thoughts for this book before we finish? Fuck this book. Fuck this book. Uh, so yeah. I agree. <laughs> Somehow our episodes for this book have been so fucking long, but I think it's simply because of the outrage. Yes. Like, <laughs> Just. Like, our, by the time we were finishing with Twilight, our episodes were like an hour and 15 minutes each, and we were like, yeah, we're really knocking these out. I'd, it's impossible to do with this. We're going to have to be less empathetic for the next book if we want to have shorter episodes we need to be less humane (laughs) yeah less humane absolutely all right well thanks for listening we'll see you next time don't forget to tickle your g-spot oh my god goodbye goodbye